Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. 53106 is our text number that will cost you uh, 30 cents. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Uh, time, as we always do uh, at this point every week, to uh, speak with Jonathan DeBurka Butler, bringing us stories from other parts of the world, uh, apart from, I suppose, some of those stories that are already getting uh, uh, a lot of attention mm-hmm. at the moment. Jonathan, good afternoon to you. How are you, Sean? Uh, um, some crack in Afghanistan, all right, isn't that's it? That's one way of putting it. Yeah, it? yeah it's, it's desperate altogether. Uh, it is, yeah. It is desperate altogether. Yeah, we yep. saw we kind of saw it coming though, didn't we? A few I, weeks ago, yeah. I remember we did a story on the Australian, the translators who worked for the Australians, and I remember at the end of it, we said there's going to be a lot more about this over the coming weeks. Yeah, and it's going to come. But the speed of it was just the speed of it was astonishing. But but I, I think that probably she, and but apparently the Taliban had you know had been surrounding yeah. uh, uh, cities for some months mm-hmm. back. It was all coming. The Americans didn't see this coming. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I'm not know. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, again, they've been hoodwinked or something. I, I think even those those peace talks were just a way oh, of legitimizing the Taliban. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Well, one of the one of the women on uh, um, uh, on who was a representative of the Afghan government, mm-hmm. um, who was part of the uh, Afghan government delegation to the, they tried to kill her. Uh, um, and then she had to go back during to the talks. During the talks, they I tried to kill her, and that, she had to go back to the talks with a broken arm. And, uh, you know, the lads were pretty much going, oh, so they didn't get you then. Um, and then they continued with the talks. They all knew they were stolen. It was, yeah. just, it was just a matter of time. That the Americans had no, were oblivious to all yeah. these things seems uh, absolutely astonishing. Yeah. Plus also, like, it's not like, it seems as if from the reporting today, the Americans felt that the Taliban were going to win anyway. So Joe Biden saying, well, why didn't, uh, why didn't the Afghan troops all get killed so we'd look better when we're scrambling out of the country was... Well, a bit disingenuous, but it might be. Yeah, yeah uh, there's, there's, there's certainly more to come from it, I would say. Yeah. Right. Anyway, yeah. Uh, to some other stories. Uh, Sudan, we're going to go to first. And uh, uh, Al-Bashir is going to go to the ICC. Looks like it. And um, I tell you, they've been looking for him for years. I mean, officially, 2009 is when they first put out the warrant for his arrest. And I remember there was all sorts of stuff going on about him going to talks in South Africa years ago and would he be arrested in South Africa and then finally when he was toppled after 30 years leading the country in 2009 as a result of um, you know protests that went on for about four or five months uh, he was thrown in prison and uh, he's been there since December 2017 now that, or 2019 sorry I mean that, that was for graft and, and various other things that he was doing while he was leader but really, at the end of it, I think the target was to get him out of the country and get him to the ICC, which is kind of going to be helpful for Sudan, I think, if it if it is in... Because at the same time that they have him out of the country and he goes up before the International Criminal Court, they've got to deal with peace talks that are kind of ongoing in mm. relation to Darfur, which, of course, he's directly, you know, connected to. Yes. Um, that's why he's going to the ICC. You know, they say he was responsible for you know, many of the 300,000 people who were massacred during that particular war in, in, in that part of Sudan. Uh, when, he, when he goes to the ICC, or mm. uh, if, are, there, are there a specific set of charges? Is it war crimes he's charged with? Or? Yeah, so there's genocide, war crimes and crimes against humanity for, for his role in those Darfur massacres. Right, and, okay. And the thing about it is that some of his cronies or inner circle, whatever you want to call them, have gone already. 
and I think some of them are probably already on trial now I don't know if it's going to be a mass trial or something mm. but he'll certainly be the focus of attention now at this stage you know he's 77 years old he's been in prison now for what two years how long the trial is going to last for we don't know um, but uh, I suspect that there will be a lot of people looking for what they will view as being a positive outcome anyway yeah uh, we shall see right mm. Zambia we're going to go to next and uh, the opposition wins and but it was all rigged of course well, that's what Edgar Lungu is saying. Edgar <coughs> Lungu, who's a former lawyer and has been president since 2015, is now out. And uh, the opposition leader, Hakaenda Hitsilema is his name. He's had five goes at this. He's been the leader of his party since 2006. And he's, on the fifth occasion, has finally become leader. Uh, he won by over a million votes, apparently. So Edgar Lungu, the now former prime minister, who's, who's saying um, that, uh, you know, the whole thing was rigged. Is mm. going to have a hard time. Like, to bring it. like it's, that's two point eight million as <laughs> opposed to one point. That's 8 a huge landslide. Margin, yeah, huge margin. And this guy Hisilem, as I said, he's been around for a while before, but the timing for him isn't great. Zambia is in the middle of a recession. It's now going to the IMF to look for a bailout. Uh, it was the first country in the region to basically default on its debts due to the pandemic, even though it had been sliding towards a recession even before the pandemic anyway. Mm. Um, So he's coming in with Zambia, although he's delighted to win, I would imagine, in very bad shape at the moment and looking for a bailout. That's the first thing he's going to be doing. Um, But it's quite a comprehensive victory. So Edgar Lungu going to the you know, the the Constitutional Court. He has seven days. I think the declaration was made on Sunday or maybe it was Monday. He has seven days to lodge an appeal. Most analysts are basically saying, yeah, I haven't got a hope, so move on. Um, but there's there's history between these two. You might remember yes. a few years yeah. ago that there was, um, uh, that uh, Hisilem was actually thrown in jail because he was accused of an assassination attempt on, on, on Edgar Lunger when their when their cavalcades, or not cavalcades, their horses, motorcades. Yes, yeah. yeah. Their motorcades clashed into each other and and, uh, and Lungu accused Hasey Lema of, um, of, of an attempted uh, assassination. It was quite something. <laughs> quite yeah. something, yes. Yeah. I do remember you telling us that story, yes. Uh, right, Poland we're going to go to next. Now, this is a, another one of those steps of perhaps what kind of country Poland is becoming, sadly. Yeah, it is. But <laughs> without wishing to seem too partisan, there might be a bit of light at the end of the tunnel right, on this okay. one in that... Uh, a party that first of all let's say tell people what happened I suppose yeah. MPs have passed a law around media ownership right so the, the, the crux of the law is basically says that uh, any company from outside the European Union can't own shares in a media company mm. in Poland right, right. so the 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 uh, party, the government who proposes really the party because it's the Law and Justice Party which is this now well-known um, Conservative Party within Poland they were the ones who basically said right, we're, we, we, we want to stop this from happening because we don't want the Russians and the Chinese coming in here right, and mm. taking over our media it just so happens that there's an American company called Discovery which would be fairly well-known mm. that has a large share in a private media channel that is uh, often gives opposing views, shall we say, to the Law and Justice Party. And yes. because they're owned majority share by US company, it will mean that they will probably lose their licence to broadcast and uh, it will it will dilute the media landscape, right? So the thing passed, and that was great for the party. They're delighted it, was, it passed by 228 versus 216 votes, so 12 votes in the difference. The only problem is that in the process they lost one of their junior coalition partners. And if you've ever looked at the makeup of the SEM, which is the Polish doll, 
you'll see that there's about 50 or 60 parties in there. So the, the ruling coalition at the moment is made up of five parties mm-hmm. plus another five parties who lend them support uh, Crikey, as yeah. well. So it's yeah. very complicated. So the fact that they've lost one of their junior coalition partners because of this piece of legislation is not a very positive outcome for the Law and Justice Party. Uh, but given that there's so many parties to choose from, exactly. they, <laughs> <laughs> that is I'm sure the they point. can pick another one. Yeah, exactly. And and that, that is a great point. It's simplistic, but it's a great point. And that's exactly what they did do uh, for, for to, to get this piece of legislation when it became clear that the Accord Party with the 13 members were going to drop out. They went to various other parties and said, a few quid here, we'll give you this, we'll give you that, yeah. vote for us. But it... it Analysts are basically saying that it is going to be more difficult for them to keep it together and they are weakened by this. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, it's still a very big party with, within the context of Poland and it's relatively popular. Yeah, but the, but, but it does mean that the media uh, um, landscape now is restricted to uh, the well, Law Justice possibly, Party are great. Yeah, uh, po- po- possibly if, if this law ends up passing because it actually, it has to go to the Senate. Yes. The Senate are unlikely to vote for it ah, and then they right. bounce it back to the lower house and I think that it, it needs to be passed by, by uh, absolute majority which is usually two thirds. I don't know in the Polish mm. context but it's usually two thirds and it's questionable as to whether they'll get it. Um, so we'll, we'll see. They might have shot themselves in the foot here and, and of course waiting in the wings is our old friend um, Donald Tusk who's uh, putting a, an opposition coalition together and and putting out some pretty decent tweets as he's prone to do. Yes. Uh, so it's it's very interesting what's going on there at the moment. Yes, he says this majority is glued together with the mud of corruption and mm. blackmail. Uh, it's pretty, he's pretty good, vivid. He's, yeah, he's, he's pretty good with the old tweets. I think, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I wonder is... Uh, it's such a law, would it be contrary to European Union rules or not? I don't know, uh, to, I tell don't know, yeah, I don't be, know uh, to tell you the truth. I don't know the truth. I don't know to tell you the truth, sorry. Uh, right, uh, the Pakistan we're going to go to uh, next. Now, this is actually a story that we uh, covered uh, last week when the initial charges were made against this eight-year-old who apparently committed blasphemy. Yes, so this is the story of um, an eight-year-old Hindu boy uh, who apparently took a leak in a in a madrasa all right a library and uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a muslim mm-hmm. uh, madrasa obviously and where books are kept obviously because it's a library and he was taken out charged by police he was the youngest person Apparently, one or two reports said he was the youngest person, but I'm pretty sure I remember there was a three-year-old who was charged a couple of years ago as well. Um, but anyway, uh, the charges have been dropped, OK? Um, the representative of the Prime Minister, who is a representative for religious harmony, right? He basically mm-hmm. said the charges were baseless. The riots that occurred after them, all right, and resulted in a Hindu temple being very badly damaged, uh, were he was very unhappy about that and in fact the government weighed in quite quickly repaired the temple and reopened it in a ceremony and and it's, and it's interesting I think because if you look at the same sort of responses in India mm. it, it, there doesn't seem to be as much of a reaction when things like this happen against minor- minorities in India as the Pakistanis are showing here or the Pakistani government are showing here and that might, might be a bit of stress you might be stretching stretch, a point, but, but, but given I, given I, the I'm makeup of the current government, that, they, they have stirred no that particular pot absolutely, rather than trying yeah. to calm it down. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I just thought that this was a more far more mature sort of reaction to mm. what had happened rather than letting it just go and say, oh, well, you know, these things happen. Yeah. They did something about it and tried to set an example. Now, the guys who were arrested and responsible for attacking the Hindu temple have been arrested and they've been told they're going to be made to pay for the reparations. So they're being shown up as an example. So uh, it's interesting. 
this ha- little boy and his family mm. now. Yes, and that's why I was, I was going to jump in there and say, however, the little boy and his family are still in hiding and uh, various different um, uh, organisations, NGOs have basically said that they're the government are going to need to come out and, and, and keep up that protection for the family because, um, you know, if they're discovered, they'll be in trouble. Yeah, crikey. Right, China we're going to next. And this is a story about Shanghai where they've banned English primary school exams. I didn't even know they had them in Shanghai. They do, apparently, and, and in various different places across China. Um, and I think this is really interesting because you might remember a couple of weeks ago, we didn't cover it now, but there was a couple of weeks ago, there was a story about the, well, several, several municipalities banning uh, ch- uh, tutorials out of school mm, yes. uh, exercises and extra classes, uh, particularly aimed at the English language uh, department or industry, I should say, sorry. And it's being said on the surface, what the Chinese are basically saying is that the costs are too expensive for parents. They're spending billions of yuan on um, extra tutoring and that kind of mm. thing and they can't afford it and Xi Jinping is basically saying this is stopping people from having kids right so on the on the surface he's saying okay well we're going to pull that back we're going to stop the pressure being put on parents for these people to uh, you know to do well in English exams okay uh, we're going to ban English language schools foreign English language schools from um, showing up in China and that'll reduce the cost but there's another side of it, or at least some analysts say there's another side to it, which is that they're de-emphasising the English language because they want to pull away from the English-speaking world. Mm. And they're worried about, you know, the increasing middle class in China becoming more westernised and that kind of thing. Yes, and they're, yeah. they're scared about that and they want to hang on to their culture, inverted commas. So it's part of a campaign to de-emphasise uh, English learning across China. And it's an interesting one because, as I've said, there's there's two sides to how you can view it, really. That's so interesting. I mean, even things like if you're an adult and you want to go uh, and learn English, if you want to get a Duolingo app kind of thing. Well, the Duolingo have announced that there's some of their apps have been pulled from some of the stores where you get them. Now, I think Apple still have them, but the, ah. the, the apps have been pulled from some of the other ones within China. Um, there would be ways around it, I'm sure, where you can go online and still do IELTS exams and, and that kind of thing. And uh, I suppose that if if parents really want to do it, they will find ways around it and 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 manage to get their um, children extra tutoring, extra classes. Uh, but um, you know, outwardly, the Chinese are basically saying we're putting a stop to this now. That's so interesting. But, but but even as given that China China exports so much to the English speaking mm. world. Um, being able to speak English would be something of an advantage yeah. if you have a business set up in China that's exporting. Absolutely. And and there has been some criticism from within China and it's not quite clear. So what, what they're worried about, again, and there's two sides to it, what they're saying they're worried about is that it, it leads to um, unfair competition because people with money will be able to give people a head start. And, and on top of this, some universities are even calling for the entrance exam which involves English apparently to universities ah. in China to be dropped as well because they say people from the countryside don't get a fair crack of the whip. And it's not clear where extra classes or will be picked up. I was reading earlier that there might be a case where high school classes will have to take the burden and extra classes in English will be done there. Who knows? And if you think about it, you're going back to your point on the, you know, exporting to the USA, also exporting to Africa with the one belt, run, one mm. road scheme and all that kind of thing, it would be very useful yeah. To know quite a bit of English there as well. So it is a funny move, but 
Um, I think it's fear of Western culture is a big part of it. Well, yeah, but I suppose really the, 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 the idea of uh, there being an English primary school exam in places like Shanghai, there's a bang of colonialism off yeah. of British yeah, colonialism yeah, yeah. off us that perhaps uh, uh, China would be, you know, Chinese people would be uh, very well aware of. Right, Nicaragua we're going to uh, next. And uh, the newspaper's paper withheld. Uh, is this is a general crackdown by Ortega on, on newspapers? Uh, I would or? say it's a general crackdown by Ortega who seems to be around forever. God, I remember him from the 1980s, Oliver North and all that kind of stuff. Um, Yes, uh, it is a general crackdown, not just on newspapers, but on opposition. I mean, there's been several opposition people who've been arrested in the last couple of weeks. I think about 30, over 30 people have been arrested from the opposition. But I thought this was interesting because this this is... um, a main opposition newspaper has been around since 1926 La Prensa is its name it's the last one that's publishing a print run although it's not doing it anymore uh, because the authorities have literally gone into their offices and taken their paper away um, hmm. which I thought was an interesting way of doing it now they say that is the National Police mm. i.e. Ortega and his, and his wife say that the raid on Friday was part of an investigation into customs fraud and money laundering now this is the usual yeah, claptrap yeah. that gets thrown out when, when Ortega doesn't like what people are, are saying against him. And um, so it's not, it's not quite clear what's going to happen to this newspaper. They're staying online. We don't know for how long that is. Uh, but it's, it's, it's the last of, of what were very few opposition newspapers in the country mm. and uh, it's not a good news story. To yeah, no, and, and, and in terms of opposition figures, are they kind of hoovering up people who might be electable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, left, right and centre. The, the opposition leader, a man by the name of uh, Maurizio Diaz da Villa, uh, he was a candidate for Congress and a former ambassador to Costa Rica. So he has some pedigree. Um, and he was arrested uh, just a couple of days, I think, or maybe even on the same day that the police went in and, and raided this newspaper. Um, there was at the parties, the same party, her, the president, uh, I think Kitty Monterey is her name, she had her citizenship taken over. Mm-hmm. So she won't be running for any um, right. seats anytime soon. So, yeah, he's he's gone pretty crazy and he was always pretty crazy anyway. Um, and uh, it's it's not a good it's not a good landscape. Right. OK. And the, and the next election there is going to be November, November. this year. I think. Ah, right. OK. I think so. it's this year. Yeah. yeah. But it's not it's not yeah. far away. Yeah. Not too far away. Now, he, I, I should add, sorry, because I, I know we have a little bit of time. Yeah. I should add that, he, you know, it's off the back of um, popular protests that were happening about yes. two years ago right. as well. So he's nervous and uh, he'll be going for his fourth term. And I'm not feeling any sympathy for him or anything like that but I'm just saying that this, these are probably the reasons for his actions alright uh, Right the US we're going to go to finally uh, an interesting uh, very interesting story on uh, the, the proportionate size of different ethnic groups there Yes um, it was the Census Bureau which which did its uh, released its census results from 2020 I think on Thursday and I think the big takeaway from it is that the white what they call the white alone population right Uh, Mm. fell by 8.6% and that's over 10 years. Now, I I had a look at this and I put a question down saying, is it a fall though? Because I was wondering, was it just fall by 8.6% of the proportion or is it 8.6%? And it actually is. Their proportionate fall is 5.7%, if you you know what I mean. So their piece of the pie is 5.7%. But the actual figure which is quite alarming, fell by 8.6%. Not because the rest of them are catching up, which they are, but because it 
fell by 8.6%. Right, okay, so it's, not, it's not as if the population of the yeah, United States so is increasing and it's all yeah, people yeah, who yeah. aren't white. Exactly. So the, 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 the population is increasing mm. more slowly than, than, than usual, but it's not increasing uh, in in the white only population, they have they were at that figure and they fell by eight point six percent. Right, so okay. it's not just the proportion of whites in the country; it's the actual headline well, figure as well. Well, I, well, I suppose also if th- th- those things can be affected by if uh, a, 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 a non-Hispanic white or an all-white person yeah. marries a, that's a, exactly a black it. person or a Hispanic yeah. person, they have kids. Yeah. Boom, you know yeah. that's that's uh, that further mixes that. Uh, so it's it's gone down. So the the the, the the percentage figure of whites has gone down from what to what in the last 10 years? Uh, so the, 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 the proportion is 50, uh, from 63.7 in 2010 to 58% of the population. So that's the first time it's fallen below 60% since they've taken this, uh, since they've been taking these figures. And so, you know, that has huge ramifications for drawing up you know, political boundaries and, uh, you know, pl- places where people are elected and that kind yes. of thing. And that's, what they will be doing now, I think it's the House of Representatives or a group in the House of Representatives that will be coming together to draw up the new um, state and legislative districts and that kind of thing. Know, it's 435 yeah. of them all together. And the greatest democracy in the world is the greatest gerrymandering nation in the world. It, it must be said. And, you know, yeah, they, yeah, like, it's, it's not like yeah. I'm just not coming out of my ass. Yeah. That's like an established fact. Yeah. Like all parties do it. Yeah. Uh, it's absolutely astonishing. Who's it, who's increasing then? What populations are increasing? So the Hispanic or what they're calling the Latino population grew by 23%. Uh, the Asian group were up by over 35%. And the black population also increased by five point six percent, but it's it's the Latinos and the Asians really that are incre- that are increasing uh, their populations there. And uh, it's very interesting because in Texas, if you take you know classic sort of which we see as a place of you know mm. kind of conflict between Hispanics and white people, or a lot of people do know, I don't know that thirty nine point seven percent of Texas made up by whites and thirty nine point three percent Latinos. So wow. it's very close. It uh, really and, is. and that's going to greatly influence the kind of uh, the tone of a lot Absolutely. of that politics as Absolutely. much as anything else. Yeah. So uh, what should we look out for over the next uh, week or so? Yeah, a few th- well, there's only two things really um, uh, to look out for. I think um, there's one interesting thing on Wednesday which does relate to Afghanistan and it's an emergency meeting that's been called by the Home Affairs Ministers from Greece, Italy, Spain, Cyprus and Malta. They're holding a teleconference meeting, as I said, on Wednesday. And the reason is because they're on the front lines of potential arrivals from Afghan mm. uh, migrants coming into the EU. So they're trying to get their their house in order before that happens. And they obviously feel it's absolutely inevitable that there'll be an influx of people from there. And then another one next Friday, Russian President Vladimir Putin will meet Angela Merkel for his final ticking off, perhaps, uh, before wow. she uh, before she yes. finishes up. Ne- never a fun meeting for either of them, <laughs> I-, I would have thought. And in those pictures, you can uh, I can tell you in advance, this is Merkel thinking... This is the last time we have to meet this guy. Uh, Jonathan, thanks a for coming into us thanks, as ever. Sir. Jonathan DeBurka Butler there. Uh, you are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. We're going to take a break. After that, should older people sell their homes? Moncrief on Newstalk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.